Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible Berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is podcast number 60 of Moon Pea Jug and Hobbs. Yay! Hey! Can't believe it. We lost one along the way. That was Pea Jug. She's out of here. We're going to rename the podcast. And at least for this week, we have a name for the podcast. And it's, a, I believe, a really good name that. Hobbs came up with herself along uh, with her good friend, Tiffany Norton, with this name, Fun AF. Mm-hmm. And we all know what AF stands for, alcohol-free. Yep. Fun, yeah. alcohol-free. And that podcast name may stick. I had another one, too, just today, and I haven't shared it with you yet. What is it? Two Drink Maximum. Ooh, <laughs> something like we, that. Something we both struggle with. Oh, man. And I remember when you go to comedy clubs, they'd always say, well, there's a two drink minimum. Mm-hmm. I never had a problem with that. No. And they should have had a number on the maximum. <laughs> minimum with alcohol is never a problem. Yeah. Maximum is always a problem. Yeah. Who are these people that are worried that aren't going to drink enough? Who are these people? I have no, I, no knowledge of those people. <laughs> they were not in my friend group. God bless you, Dr. Fauci. Oh. Dr. Fauci is uh, quarantining at home. Okay. He has COVID. Mm. So there you go. Everybody quit breathing on him. He can't fix it for you. You know, I always liked Dr. Fauci. He reminded me of a doctor that I used to have. The guy spoke language that I could understand. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they were tremendously intelligent, they could speak on a human level. Mm-hmm. And that was very good. And I know a lot of people, uh, you know, not going to name political parties, but a lot of people wanted him out. And even some of them wanted him strung from the highest tree when even though he also worked with all the Republican presidents as well, which I never did understand that. Yeah, he's they a physician. He signed, uh, you know, he, he he gave the Hippocratic Oath to save Republicans and Democrats. He does not. And we're and independents and tea parties <laughs> and the Green Party. Like no matter what your affiliation is, a doctor is supposed to save your life. Like it's nonpartisan. Oh, mm-hmm. We're not going to go into politics. We hardly ever go into politics. I just brush on it, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, when right. You, when you <laughs> talked about gun control for twenty minutes, yeah, no, never talk. But that actually isn't a poli- uh, That shouldn't be a partisan issue. Let's try yeah. to find something in the middle. Well, and that's the way I feel about assault rifles. If you have a mass shooter go into somewhere, he doesn't check political affiliation before he starts pulling the trigger. No. 
right? So that would lead me to believe that both parties probably should be okay with taking care of that. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up guns because this is something I had said yes to a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of in light of recent events and stuff, I didn't know really how I felt about it, but I went ahead and did it on Sunday. Anyway, I got my concealed carry. Oh, you did. That's right. Yeah. I don't have a gun, though. Okay. I have the right to have a gun, though. And there's something powerful about that. Like, I haven't brought it to register it with the sheriff or do any of the formal stuff at this point. But I just kind of like the fact that as a woman, if I wanted to carry a gun, I could. <laughs> a lot of women do you know and i'm not i don't i don't know that i'm going to do that i you know i i suffer with <laughs> from depression and, oh, yeah. and and from and from having a lot of hot tempered uh uh blood so i don't know like i don't know if it's the best idea for me to have a handgun but we did have to shoot to pass our test and i actually did good i hadn't i hadn't shot a shot or a handgun in like 20 years i shot a shotgun like five years ago but did you imagine when you were looking at the target uh, a person that you could take out or was it just a target to you? No, it was a target. It was definitely, I was trying to get it in, in the very interior white light yeah. green section. You know, I have a lot of friends that have concealed and carry mm -hmm. uh, and they do carry most of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the reasons why they don't want to give up the guns is because they say the way the world is right now, you really have a higher chance now than ever before of needing to protect yourself or your family. So what kind of a gun were you shooting? Oh, just a 22. But I mean, but shooting is super fun. It's a great release. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you see immediate results. I like that. I don't, I'm a very impatient person. I, I like to see the results of my work and there's nothing faster than a bullet. Now, I don't know if this is actually true, but it was told to me, so it very well could be true. Okay? And I'm going to maybe Google it here in a little bit. When we lived in Nebraska, we had guns all the time. You took guns with you everywhere because of the critters, right? And sure. one of the things that would happen is when we would be out in the fields in the tractors going round and round, circles all day long, eventually when it's lunchtime, my mom would pull up in her Buick Park Avenue. She would open the trunk of this huge car and there was a full spread of meats, vegetables, ah, fruits, ice cream. I love that. A, a, a trunk picnic? I love that. I can't even believe the way she kept it warm. I mean, it was unbelievable. My mom was awesome that way. So I would stop the tractor and then I'd get out of the tractor and go get into my mom's car and we'd eat and you know have a few laps and you know when it was time to go she would let me out we always would have the air conditioning running of course because it was so hot in nebraska in the summertime well as i would walk back to the tractor you'd start to hear rattlesnakes mm. okay uh -huh. and what rattlesnakes would do is they would look for shade and if there's a big tractor sitting there, it creates shade. Oh. So, so if you were in an area where rattlesnakes were and they had an opportunity to crawl under the tractor. So now you got to get back in the tractor, but you can't get in unless you kill the rattlesnakes. So then you got to go back to mom's car, grab her gun, right? And then you got to shoot them. And this is the story I was telling you. You don't have to have accurate aim to kill a rattlesnake. Okay, 
If you come close to a rattlesnake's head, it is fast enough to strike the bullet with itself. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Should I ask Google? Sure. I mean, this is the thing now. You can get information in minutes. Here we go. (laughs) Can a rattlesnake strike a bullet? According to National Geographic, harmless snakes can strike their prey just as quickly as venomous vipers, putting a legendary Wild West tale to rest. High-speed cameras have finally debunked a long-held myth that venomous vipers such as rattlesnakes have much faster strikes than non-venomous snakes. Well, that didn't really give us the answer. No. But I think what you do have here is two minutes of boring. So there you go. (laughs) I can get welcome again to us listening to Moon try to navigate the internet, or as he likes to call it, the World Wide Web. The World Wide Web. (laughs) Oh, and I've got so many things I want to bring up today. And then we're going to tell you about a new app. Did you, have you watched the David Letterman show? My next guest needs no introduction. I've seen a couple of the episodes this season. I saw Billie Eilish and I saw, I think we talked about this, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Did you see Lizzo? I haven't, I saw Lizzo last season. Yeah, that was really good. Okay. I want to give props to Lizzo today because she was um, promoting a new song called Girls, which was spelled really weird. It was completely misspelled. But in the song, she said, I'm a spaz and a disabled person called her out on it and says, Hey, wait a minute. You can't say that yeah. because you know, uh, there's a, a line that is offensive because I have spastic dysplasia, mm-hmm. which is a form of cer- cerebral palsy and it's muscle stiffness. Mm-hmm. So what she did was uh, she said, I'm a spaz. I'm about to knock somebody out. Okay, so then this woman wrote her about the uh, disease, and she said, your new song makes me angry. Spaz means freaked out or crazy. It's an ableist slur. It's 2022, do better. Okay. And I'm thinking, ableist? What's that mean? That you're non-handicapped. So you have, it's kind of like when someone says, oh, you have white privilege. If you're an ableist, you don't fully appreciate someone who's in that position, which obviously you do. Well, I learned something on the podcast today, episode 60 of <laughs> Moon P. Jug and Hobbs. Listen to what Lizzo did after she wrote her about the ableist thing. Mm-hmm. Lizzo said, you know something? I'll fix it. And she went back and re-recorded it and re-released it. Love it. I had heard that. And I uh, and uh, the reason why girl was spelled differently is because it's phonetic. It's like girl. Dolly Parton just gave another million dollars to study infectious diseases. I love her. I love it. She got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she's as country as it gets uh, from Dollywood down there in Tennessee. I went to Dollywood in Gatlinburg. Mm -hmm. You know, I went there on my motorcycle. I mean, I've been a Dolly Parton fan for a million years. Uh, Some of the stuff she's written, you don't even know it's her song, but she's written a ton of great songs. She was one of the first to step up with the big money for COVID research. And now uh, we had a wedding this weekend with over 260 people. It was the first time, and I'm not kidding you, that I have left my house for an entire day in almost two and a half years. And that's because I have a disability. I can't do a lot at times. So I went to this awesome wedding of my stepdaughter. I got to walk her halfway, well, not walk her, 
roller halfway down the aisle Aww. and then her dad got to take her up to the you know her, her groom it was really good and i told her don't get that train on that wedding dress too close to the wheelchair oh no god can you imagine <laughs> i can tell you if you want the beverly hillbillies uh it will happen <laughs> if you get your dress caught up in my wheel well oh no but guess what we're rolling up the aisle uh -uh. sure enough oh, i told her i said i'm going straight you just stay clear Oh. And she was nervous. She was walking. Of course. Well, of course. here goes the wheelchair right oh, over shoot. the wedding dress. Oh, no. <laughs> it didn't tear or anything. I looked. Oh, I didn't see any tread marks. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. Because I was just thinking because it rained earlier today. I was like, oh, God, was there mud? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. This wedding was unbelievable. Uh, there is a place that I'd never been to. It didn't even know existed. It's called Woodhaven. It's a wedding event center four miles straight south of Meesville, Minnesota. Meesville, Minnesota, there is nothing there, yeah. but uh, there's a, one gas station. There's the Meesville Mud Hens AA baseball team stadium. And right across the street, there's a place called King's Hamburgers. King's has been there and it's a Minnesota tradition. And they have, because of the baseball team, like 70, 70 different burgers with everything you could possibly ever want on them, all named after baseball things. And they're like five fifty or six bucks. You can get you a chocolate milkshake or a malt in a mason jar. Yeah. This is a great place to go. I plug them everywhere I've ever been. I tell everybody of Kings in Meesville. Everybody's like, where the hell is Meesville? I'm gonna be going there. I've got a I've got an event, I've got a wedding there, and I'm wondering if it's not the same place it's next month. Oh, I bet it, it might is. Be the same, it might be the same place. It's gorgeous. I'm excited. And, yeah, I'm really excited too. But uh, okay, so I'm thinking to myself, I finally leave the house. I've had my four vaccines with no antibodies, but I had this other drug called Evo Shield, and uh, that's supposed to keep it from getting COVID. I'm thinking, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I try to stay away from people? Um, so I did try to stay away from people, but I did not wear a mask. And by the end of the night, I would have to say I had at least 50 or 60 people breathe right in my face. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this morning, here comes the text. Our granddaughter has COVID. Uh, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. So I start texting people that were at the wedding. Super spreader, take a test. Oh, God. And so far... We've only heard of just that one person. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh, I tested negative so far. And so far, my kids have. And But yeah, what a beautiful thing. I think I want to have my funeral there. Okay. It's not really a funeral. It's a I don't like it when you segue life. from COVID to funerals. I don't like it when we talk about, we're, we're, we're we got to pull up. We got to pull the nosedive up, Maverick. <laughs> Speaking of that, how was the movie? Oh my God, yes. It was fun. It is a fun movie. You will not leave necessarily enriched in any other way, but it is a fun experience. And they do a fairly clever job of reintroducing the character and having him be kind of almost when we see him again, he's almost kind of in the same spot as where we left him. This is awesome. And we saw it at uh, Alamo where they've got the, cause my, um, 
boyfriend has a hearing impairment. He's got almost no hearing in one ear and about half in the other. So, but they have the wraparound and then they have the chairs that rumble like a, like a video game would. And so he can really feel it. And he really likes going to see movies there for that reason. It's an ocular buffet. Ocular buffet and ableist on episode 60 of Moon, Pea, Jug, and Hobbs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this our vocab section now? Yeah, this is what we do. Uh, before we get to that app, let's do two questions with Putin. Mm. I've got mine ready to go. Okay. All right, question number one. Yep. These are two questions you could ask Vladimir Putin if you had him in the room with you. Have you ever been a window peeker? Oh, like a peeping Tom? Yeah, like a peeping Tom. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Did I ever peeping Tom? Yeah. In a way. So my grandparents lived in a condo building in Florida. And I remember walking to the pool one morning and the mat, one of the bedrooms was, it faced the, the hallway that was on the exterior of the building. And this woman was sleeping topless and she didn't have her curtains all the way shut. It was kind of creepy and it always freaked me out. And I never wanted to have an apartment Build, or I never wanted to have an apartment that had a thing there because of that reason. Because literally, I'm looking through her window. If I was like some weirdo, I'm like, hey, what's up? And I was about 12 or something. Check I'd seen out. boobs, but I didn't really have mine yet. So I was kind of interested more in that aspect. I used to have a friend when I was in high school. His name was Fat Norm, right? And I know fat can't be said now. And we're going to get into I still words. think you could just call him Norm, and I don't think anybody's going to get it twisted. We don't have so many Norms on the show. There's not so many characters that we have to de delineate that. But, you know, <laughs> I know it was his nickname in high school, but I'm sure he didn't even enjoy it then. He liked it, I think. I, think I he... don't. I bet if you ask him now, there might be a different answer. But I think you like saying it. So, okay. Well, anyway, I remember Fat Norm one day says, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I want to show you something. He didn't tell me what it was. And so we got on our, our bicycles. Remember those ones with the banana seats, the stingrays? I had one. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'd get in our, uh, on our bicycles and off we'd go. And we rode over to this house of this girl that was in our school. And he took me to the window and he had like a some kind of a bucket or something he stood on so that he could look underneath the blinds mm. in her bedroom. Okay. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, get up here, right? I'm like, what? You're a window peeker? He said, move over. And I got up on top of this bucket, and there was this, you know, naked young girl. How old are you? Same age. I think we were both like 15. Okay. The thing that was weird about it was she knew we were there mm -hmm. and didn't make any changes. What if it that, turns out that like the girl was blind and like, she just didn't know you guys were there. And you're thinking she's like this, she is into this, but she literally cannot see you. Or oh, there's yeah. a glare in her lamp in her room that bounces on the window in such a way. She doesn't know your, your four little eyes are out there like raccoons in the dark. I'll tell you, I had a, a time where I had some girls that were almost like peeping doms. I was riding my motorcycle to go see a friend of mine who'd been in a motorcycle crash and he was in the hospital and I'm riding with another guy and these girls pull up next to me and they start waving and they start laughing and smiling and I'm thinking, well, I know my bike's really hot and they must think that I'm 
hot too or cute or something because I definitely had their attention, no doubt about it. Turns out that the wind had blown my shirt up around my upper torso mm -hmm. and my gut was fully exposed. <laughs> That's but not being a peeping Tom. That is noticing something that is disturbing. going down a, a public highway. It's <laughs> totally different than having a special bucket to get under the curtain <laughs> of a woman's... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make my bucket thing sound less creepy. Did you? Did it work? I don't, I, yeah, it worked like a charm. Here's my second question with Putin. <laughs> you ready? I forgot we even started talking about Putin. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you pick up after your dog or just hope nobody saw anything? How many dog owners do you know as they walk their dog, they might be carrying one of those little green bags. Yeah. But then when it happens, they just keep strolling. They're like, what? What? They look yep. up in the air. What? I didn't. Oh, look at that bird. Oh, are, oh, did you stop? Okay, let's keep walking. It's like, yeah, you know you see those turds. Yeah, look over there. Who's that guy in the bucket? But I think we already established with our two quest questions with Putin that that guy's a cat guy. He's just got like cats and he just like pets them. Probably. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a dog guy. Probably, although maybe he might demand loyalty. Maybe, maybe he does want to. Maybe he does want a dog. What about your two questions with Putin? Have you ever had a bikini wax? But I, as a woman, will tell you, I will never have a bikini wax. I will never have a Brazilian wax. There is no waxing of that area. No. Nope. My wife used to work at a spa, and they had to do that. And I said, wasn't that kind of disgusting? She'd say, well, some people never trimmed. I can tell you that. Well, you've got to get when you're a girl and you're getting the whole, you know, the kitten caboodle done. Yeah. They get you up on all fours like a frog. And then they put it on that way. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. It was several years into my marriage before I ever got it. <laughs> wow. I'm not, well, not, I'm exaggerating. Of course I got that position. It's like, but like to just be like, oh, it's 11 o'clock and I'm going to go to this, this, this strip mall. And I'm going to go behind some really paper thin curtain and, and put on a weird sh shawl thing and then hop up and have someone smear that on my, on my cooter. I'm like, nope, not a, not a fan. And, and if you tell someone that, if you tell a woman that, oh, well, you just have to try, I don't have to try it. There are things I do not have to try. That is one of them. So I, I want to know if he's ever done that. Has he ever bikini waxed? And then my second question would be, what is your power color? You know, if he's feeling like maybe he's feeling not as confident as he normally does during his dictatorship days. You know what I mean? You know, you've got ups, you've got ups and downs as a dictator, I would imagine. And so, like, what is his self-care? And when he really wants to feel like a boss girl, what color? What color does he wear? What color tie? Or a pocket square? The word cooter came up on the podcast moments ago. Yes. Uh, is that the preferred name for the female genitalia? Oh, I just like to say it because it's a really fun word to say. And it's not exactly a swear. What else do they call them? Oh, don't ask Google. You're <laughs> going to get so many weird ads now, dude. What do you call a <laughs> slang term for a woman's pubic area? According to Wiktionary, Lady Garden, Muff, Happy Trail. <laughs> Lady Garden. I've never heard of any of these. There's a whole thing in here on the internet about this. Oh, you think? You think there's a couple of nicknames for the for for sexual parts? We're yeah. humans. There's like cooch, cooter, 
snatch, slit, trim, bush, bush. Oh, I got ones for the ma- the male parts. I got a whole bunch of those. Oh, me too. Anaconda, <laughs> badly wrapped kebab. Ew. Have you do you remember Grumpy Old Men when they at the very end, if you watch it, Burgess Meredith, they run all the outtakes of all yeah. the different terms he used about sure. the, it's like he's gonna take the steamboat to Tuna Town. <laughs> 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 and Burgess Meredith is God rest that man. He's absolutely you he go back great. and look at like the old like Twilight Zone episode he did, and you just look at his whole body of work being, you know, he's just he was so funny and grumpy old man, and then just so great as like Mickey the coach and in the Rocky series. And uh, I just love that guy. He was great. Yeah. Bearded so, clam. Oh, yeah. Bearded clam. Sure. Dingling disco stick. The family jewels. That's those, those are those are men's terms. Fur burger. <laughs> grass on the field. Ew. A hairy axe wound. Oh, OK. <laughs> Can we. The yogurt slinger. Oh, <laughs> ew! Okay. I hate yogurt. <laughs> uh, that's why we better stop right there. Okay, now uh, let's talk about this app okay. before we run out of time. Okay. Um, the other day, Hobbs called me and said she wanted to talk about an app. And when she told me what it was about, I'm thinking, awesome. And she told me how it worked. And I thought, amazing. Mm-hmm. So you tell them all about what you know about this app and what it's called. Okay. Um, so the app is called Reframe, and that's all one word, R-E, and then frame, like picture frame. And it's an online community for people that either want to quit drinking or want to moderate their drinking. There's a lot of alcoholism in my family and drug addiction and all that kind of stuff. And in myself, you know, and it times, you know, like basically I was, I was at kind of a low point uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was just looking for something. And it's like, AA has never really felt right to me. I, as a kid went through Al-Anon and so I'm familiar with meetings. I'm, you know, I'm familiar with that process. And um, just out of just going through the app store, I found this app and it was a seven day free trial. And basically you just set goals. Like, Okay. And they have two tracks. They have alcohol free and they don't get into like details. They're just saying alcohol only. They don't talk about other stuff in a negative or positive way. They just, they just focus on the alcohol aspect of it. And then there's another one for people that want to do moderation. So if you think that you may be drinking too much or you feel like you could successfully drink, but maybe, you know, you move to a new city or stresses are really high or some other stuff. And you find that, you know, you used to always have one and now you're having two, uh, maybe three, nothing out of control has happened. Nothing illegal has happened in your life, but you're starting to sense a, a, a more of a reliance on it. So then there's another track for you. Um, but what's interesting about it is they have live meetings on zoom, which you can participate in or not, you know, you can put your camera on or, or not share or not. Um, but it had all of the hallmarks of going to an AA meeting for me or an Al-Anon meeting for me, except 
there's really no discussion of the higher power aspect of it. It's not about religion. It's not about any one way that it has to be like some in, in, in a traditional 12 step, it's really frowned upon to have non-alcoholic versions of alcoholic drinks. It's frowned upon because it could trigger you and all that kind of stuff. Well, there are people that find that they really just miss that taste and they, they, they don't have a problem with it. And so what I found really helpful though, is that there is a forum on there and it's, it is similar in structure to a Facebook, but here's what it's not. You can't share pictures. You can only share updates. You, and it's really only focused on alcohol free. And what's crazy is like, I was having a bad craving and I haven't had any alcohol in 12 days. But what it's crazy, like I'm, you go through the forum and then people are like, well, I'm back on day one. I was sober for 60 days or back on day two for the third time. I was, you know, I had 127 days and then this happened. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy when you open it up in the morning and how many people have posted, well, it's day one again. It really, it really resonates with me about how many people are actually affected by this. And these are just people that are reaching out. And I know I was not a person who reached out for help. And that's been one of my biggest struggles is I've, I've been extremely self-reliant and that's not, that's not healthy either. And then I got, and then I just became totally dependent on others and alcohol. You know what I mean? Just like, like that was going to be my friend now and none of it's real. So but, uh, you know, again, I'm no one to, 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 I'm no, I'm no voice of the sober community or anything like that, but I thought it was worth sharing if, and it was funny because in my discussion, I called a friend of mine who I respect very much, who is a fellow performer and a comedian who has, you know, sobriety and we were chatting and, you know, and they had confessed that recently they had broken their sobriety and they had, they had at one point been sober for eight years and then a stretch of like four or five and things after the pandemic and stuff, like a lot of, lot of, lot of stuff went sideways and he's caring for, or they're caring for, I should say, um, parents that are suffering from dementia and all of that kind of stuff. And so you know, it's easy to look at it and go, well, this is my treat. I, you know, of course I, of course I deserve this, you know, and it's a way to, well, what, here's the, the science part of it though, is what's fascinating to me though, is I didn't realize you got a dopamine hit because people always talk about a dopamine high. And I guess I always thought that was exercise. You know what I mean? Endorphins. Right. But you actually get dopamine from alcohol initially. And see, for me, when I wanted to quit drinking because I thought I was going to probably die, uh, they didn't have apps, right? right? Right. We had AA and we went to treatment and we went exactly. to AA. Yep. Uh, and then we worked the steps. Yep. Near beer is near relapse. Yep. Uh, you know, it's strict. Yep. We talked last week about Irish Tim Kenny, my sponsor. And, you know, I believe that having a sponsor or someone local not on a Zoom app or something like that. Somebody that you can go to if you really think you're going to have one of those times you may slip. Sure. And they you encourage know? that. They encourage you to, no one discourages you from going to in-person meetings. It's not that. But it's nice. What I think is nice is if you're too embarrassed, too ashamed, not sure what to do, but you feel like you got to do something, try something. I think it's worth a shot to look at it for a week 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, just to look at anything for a week. I mean, because most people that drink too much, the last thing they want to think about is sobriety because in their eyes, they can't go to a baseball game without having a beer. They can't perform on stage without having a beer. They can't do anything without having a beer. You create emotions to further your disease. You create anger, guilt, Mm -hmm. loneliness. I mean, you lean on things, you take yourself down the crapper. Yep. And the thing about it is, it's not because you are morally or, you know, whatever weak, you have a disease that has been called a disease by medical professionals. And and that's part of the thing that always bothered me. I didn't like the concept of it being a disease. In fact, I still resist the idea that it's a disease fully. I think it's anguish. I think it's suffering. I think it's mental, mental unease because otherwise, I mean, I'm a smart person. You know, you're a smart person. You wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do this intelligently. If it weren't, if, if the first time the alcohol hit your lips, it wasn't taking something away that was painful. I don't think you'd get as hooked to it. Do you know what I mean? Like you hear the stories about like the first time a kid drinks alcohol and they get super sick and puke. And then they never want to touch alcohol again. The first time I drank, I loved it. And I was like 10. I think I was 10 or 11. It was, I was at a wedding and it was super fancy and I was a junior bridesmaid and you know, it was the eighties or whatever, but they set the table of drinks out. They set all the tables in this big banquet hall, the same. They didn't realize one of the tables was the kids table. Well, we, all the kids got champagne. So I had a glass of champagne and no one else at the table wanted it. And I went around doink, doink, doink drinking a bunch of people's champagne and I'm like, I'm dancing. And I thought I was like the sophisticated lady and I'm like, Ooh, I'm so grown up and da, 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 da. And, you know, so it, 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 I'd always been a really anxious kid and kind of a geeky kid and an introvert and everything. And it, it allowed me to not be as, as, as anxious socially. That's kind of where it stuck. Here's kind of when I was you know working with people, how I tried to help them determine whether or not they had drinking issues. Because people would ask me, well, you've been sober for a long time. Uh, How do you know if you are or you aren't? And I go, okay, we're going to go to the bar. And they're like, what? I'm trying to stop drinking. You're taking me to the bar. I go, yep. We don't know if you are or you aren't. And I'll never call you one either way. You have to call your own self that if that's what you end up with the uh, information. So I would tell them that we could go to a bar 10 times. If they ever had more than three drinks, they went straight to rehab in my car. I would drive them straight to detox. If you're an alcoholic in my eyes, you could have three drinks and not have any more a couple times. But I'm telling you, after that third drink, that switch is cooking. Yep. And the next thing you know, you're gone. And uh, I remember... You know, when we were working a lot with other, you know, people in AA, I saw things that were just horrible. Yeah. You know, we went to a guy's hotel room. He lost everything in his life, his job, his wife, his kids, everything. And he was, you know, held up in a dumpy, icky, gross hotel room. And when we got there, I mean, there was feces and vomit everywhere and a yeah. lot of empty bottles. Yeah. Right. And and that happens. I mean, there are people that don't go that far. There are people that are high functioning alcoholics that drink every single day, sometimes all day, and they still get their things done. 
but they don't look at what they're doing at their liver. Uh, right. You know, they catch themselves making mistakes or, you know, saying things they shouldn't. I mean, it's a tricky thing and it, you really have to dig deep. And if you download this app and open your eyes to the fact that, Hey, maybe I do have something cooking. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny. I was listening to, and there's a lot of great on Spotify. There's a lot of great podcasts as well that you can listen to this particular one. Um, she is out of England and uh, her name is Janie Lee Grace, but she worked for BBC. And so she's a professional interviewer and has worked in media and whatever, and then decided that, you know, she was drinking too much. She was living with a spouse that like didn't have an alcohol problem. Like he would only have one and he'd be like, eh, I'm good for a couple of weeks or whatever. And she's like, what's wrong with me? Like what's, what's happening. And so that's kind of how she started her podcast. But um, one of the things that they were sharing, because they interviewed a guy who was big in the liquor um, business in the UK, and they found that 50% of the alcohol is being consumed by like 14% of the population. Ooh. Yeah, they have a more significant alcohol problem in England and it sounds like Scotland and Ireland than we even do here. In fact, they bring up that America is better at dealing with a lot of this stuff than they are. But what I found was um, just in, in reference to that app and that there's a lot of on great tool or uh, great online tools. But something that was funny to me, and this just goes back to like, I, I've known this for a while. This is not news to me. I'm terrified to perform right now. So, you know, but I'm, I'm just giving myself some grace about it and I'm giving myself the summer to just kind of sort it out. And, you know, and that was why I reached out to you. You know, it, it was, it was, it was important to me to, to make sure that I was telling people and holding myself accountable and also to people that I know that won't judge me. Which is pretty brave. Thank you. Yeah. Very brave. We all were the last to know we drank too much. Right. Right. Everybody else knows every, yeah. no one, no one I've told so far as like had said, like, you're like, yeah, I was, uh, I was worried about you there. And I'm like, everybody I've told they're like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. No one, you know, like they talk about in this one podcast, they're like, oh, everybody was saying like, you don't have a problem. Like, yeah, no one said that shit to me. No one no. has said that shit to me so far. Oh, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for me, I didn't have a desire to stop, but my ex-wife had a desire for me to stop. Sure. And she saved my life. Yeah. You know, we yeah. talked about that on the podcast before. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my family, you know, drinking goes way back. You know, you get into situations during your sobriety where you almost accidentally take a drink. Mm -hmm. It's happened to me. Here's the three times I was closest to relapse, right? The first time I was with Fat Norm. Fat Norm's brother was a massive alcoholic that was literally going to die from his disease. Mm. Uh, he was down to 120 pounds. Oh God! It was, it was he was wasting away. It was really really bad. I went into his hotel room one time, and they actually owned a hotel, and so he had his own room permanent. His mom and dad put him like down the way on the other end of the property, so they didn't have to smell him pretty mm. much. Mm. But uh, I went into his room and I was going to take his bottle away from him and show him by drinking it, what alcohol does to someone. And I'm like going, what? 
and I had to get the hell out of there. Yeah. But that's how you had found it. You had found a way your brain's like, aha, I found a loophole. If I'm drinking to show you, you have a drinking problem, then it's okay that I drink this. Right. And they call it stinking thinking. Time number two, I was at a bar in Fredericksburg, Texas. Uh, I was staying in that town uh, at a a B&B or whatever. And there was a Nebraska football game that was being shown at a sports bar. And so I went to a sports bar and I'm sitting there and I ordered on this hot Texas day, a virgin pina colada. And when they gave me my drink, I said, this is virgin, correct? I made it myself. It is. I took a big pull and it was loaded with rum. Oof. Right. Yeah. I ran into the bathroom and spit it out. Uh, went in, reamed the bartender. You know, I said, you could have killed me. And he's like, you can't die from one little sip of alcohol. Said, if it lights a fuse, if it's lights, my fuse, you cannot put out. Right. So don't light my fuse. Yeah. And then the other time I was going through a bunch of personal stuff and I was driving down 35E and I knew I just had to go to a bar. I just, all of a sudden I went from having a bad day to I'm going to the bar. Mm-hmm. How long and How long were you in your sobriety when this one happened? 20 years. Wow. Long time. Long time. They, they call it a progressive illness. Basically, wherever you quit drinking and then when you start, you're right back at square one. You may not do it on the very first time, but you go right back to full tilt nearly immediately. Yeah. And that's scary. So I'm driving at 35E. I know I'm going to go to a bar. I had a friend in Egan. I didn't even call. I drove straight to their house. I just started beating on the door and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? I go, I need to hang out for a while. Mm-hmm. And I went inside and I said, I feel like I'm going to drink. I don't want to be out by myself now. Right. And uh, we watched a wild hockey game. Uh, by the time the game was over, I felt better and I was more centered. But I mean, this stuff waits for you to be weak. It waits for you to have a bad day. It waits for you to have the best time you've ever had and celebrate. It just sits there. And it waits. And as soon as, you know, you don't think about sobriety every single day, um, but it thinks about you drinking every single day. And if you're not ready for it, when those times come, that's not good. That's why you got to have an out. Sponsors are great. You know, if you get a sober buddy, I would once again uh, invite you to watch Louder Milk on Amazon Prime. It's all about a sober coach and it's funny. It's real. It, it shows the power of addiction and, you know, to be able to watch a show about addiction and laugh, that's a pretty good writer. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the writing is really good. So uh, what's the name of the app? It's free to download, right? Yeah, it's called Reframe, and I believe it only works on iPhones right now. It's there's a seven day trial, so if you accept in your in your Apple, in your in your App Store, store. I think it'll just bill you. I think if you if you after the seven days, I think you got to go in and just say nope, I don't want to do it. 
I mean, it's a, it's a, and if nothing else, just listening to the podcast and all that stuff, but that's someone was, someone did a Ted talk about it and they were, they're saying the opposite, the opposite of addiction is community and, and is connection. Like, because like, and I'll leave it on this, but there was, um, I think we all remember the study. There was a long time ago, there was this guy and there was a group of rats and they were using this study as a way to determine like the, the addictive properties of drugs. Right. And so they put these rats into a cage, each in their own cage, and they gave them a bottle of regular water and a bottle with, um, I think it was some kind of drug in it, uh, heroin or some kind of drug. And, uh, they were saying, Oh, look, when the rats, the rats always choose the, if they've got the choice, they'll choose the drug. And so they kind of thought that there was some correlation mentally. Well, another researcher came on and kind of turned the experiment on his head. And he was like, well, yeah, but like those rats were alone and rats are used to being in a, in a, in a pack and in a group. And so what they did was they built like a rat park, like a big park with lots of places for them to run and play and socialize. And there was a whole bunch of them all in there. Then they did the same test. They put the same chemicals in the one and then the regular water in the other. And almost none of the rats chose the poison. Almost none of the rats chose the, the water that had been altered. There were a few, but it was really, really small. Whereas if you looked at the first study, it would imply that there's really nothing you can do about it. Once you've been exposed to it, you're just going to get addicted to it. You can't do anything about it. And so, but they found that when the rats were happy, the rats didn't need it. And so I think that's, I think a lot of people drink out of a, out of isolation and we're more isolated than we've ever been. And, you know, one of the things I did first too, um, on last Friday or what was it? Two Fridays ago, I deleted off my phone. I didn't delete my accounts, but I do not have Facebook on my phone. I have not looked at it once. I, I took down everything, Instagram. I left my LinkedIn. There's not a lot of triggery things on my LinkedIn page currently. It's mostly just TikTok. Mostly I, I TikTok's gone. All that stuff's gone. I kept I kept Twitter, but I don't really go on Twitter very often. I just like to see what's trending and that topics come up quicker. And I haven't, I haven't, and I have not missed it. You're either going to compare yourself and feel worse about yourself, or you're going to compare yourself and feel better about yourself. Either way, it's false. It's not that that's, that's not me doing the work I need to do. So I go to a therapist every week and that kind of keeps me a little bit more centered. Mm -hmm. Although if you listen to episode 60 today, you probably wonder how in the hell does he say he's centered after what I've just heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is moon centered, you guys. So we don't even know what moon was like when yeah, uh, he was on his, uh, his gravitational access moon. <laughs> oh, I was such a mess, you know. <laughs> but you're not now. I learned how to live sober and the events are so much more real, right? If you have joy, you truly feel joy. It's not just a drunken afternoon that you celebrated by drinking. Mm -hmm. What it is, is you feel it all and it stays. Those powerful feelings, you don't numb them away anymore. Yep. Right. And the same goes with sadness and grief. I mean, there'll be times when I just cry my eyes out and my wife and my kids are looking at me like, oh my God. But you know, what is it? It could be a sad song. It could be anything. But you know, I get to feel everything in life. And I never used to, uh, all I used to feel was high or stoned mm -hmm. or drunk or whatever I was. And, you know, it's a not great you. thing to not be you, anything to not feel you, you know, yeah. 
And then, then you start feeling yourself and you're like, well, yeah, some of this sucks, but it doesn't all suck. I mean, I don't necessarily want to be another person. <laughs> I had a, a Facebook post. I was trolling yeah. uh, to try and get some stuff to talk about on this podcast. Episode 60, Moon P. Jug and Hobbs, right? And uh, I said, if you could tell me one thing about yourself that I would never forget, what would it be? Yeah. And people did not understand the way I'd written the question. They wanted to uh, tell me something about me that they would never forget. And one of my friends brought me back to a time in the late 80s, sitting in a Denny's at 4 a.m. And I'll never forget the day. And I had totally forgotten about it. But uh, I was you know, trying to sober up because the bar had closed. And some police officers walked in to get coffee. I threw, after finishing a cigarette, an ashtray at the officers. And then I turned around and didn't, you know, <laughs> like I didn't know what happened. What? And I threw an ashtray of fully, yeah, that's how stupid thing I, I just did it because I was hammered and didn't know any better. You were just like, I'm just, you know where this ashtray goes? <laughs> So here they come, the two of them. Yeah. And they're like, okay, which one of you threw it? And here I am all slopped out of my mind. And the other two guys were completely sober. They were driving me around. Uh, I said to the cop, well, who do you think you are, Clint Eastwood? Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're like, yep, all right, jokester. I think we yeah. know which one threw the uh, ashtray here. <laughs> and they put that on Facebook. Who do you think you are, Clint Eastwood? Did you get arrested? Uh, they did not. They told my two friends to take me home immediately. Wow. But they could have gotten assaulting a police officer. Yeah. You could have caught a federal charge, dude. I got all my feels back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we haven't had a guest for two or three weeks in a row, and I didn't even try. I didn't even try to ask anybody. Yeah. Um, I just thought, you know something? Let's just, uh, me and Hobbs talk about stuff. Sure. I like the way it sounds. Yeah. yeah. I think we're way better than when P-Jug was on with us. Don't you? I mean, she's listening right now in the other room. I'm like, you are just, okay. You <laughs> just have this really good, like positive. Yep. Uh, yeah. now, he, now he keeps, okay, because this is a podcast. You can't see. I can see him in the monitor and he was looking like, like he's, he's got his very flirty face on looking like, huh? Is that funny, honey? Do you get it? It's a joke. <laughs> You're still going to feed me dinner, right? Like I still I get leftover Chinese food. Oh, there you go. Well, oh, I, better, I better let you get to that. Yeah, we got to do that. Uh, next week, I don't know what it'll be, but hopefully this one was fun AF on episode 60, Moon P. Jug and Hobbs. <laughs>